Welcome to Rush Hockey Talk, brought to you by Rush Hockey, trusted guidance, unrivaled success. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Kelly Katorji, and this is our podcast series. This is definitely the place to be if you want to learn how to pave your way to the world of youth hockey. So get ready, because you're going to hear some amazing interviews with premier personalities, coaches, scouts, players, celebrities. We got them all. Rush Hockey for over 25 years, experts in evaluation, over 10,000 alumni. It's unmatched. It's Rush Hockey Talk, and it's here. Welcome to Rush Hockey Talk, and today our special guest is Ashley Kilstein, coach at Princeton University. Ashley is a former player who spent time at Union College, and today she's going to help us out a bit, answer questions, the basics, when it comes to Ivy League schools. Hey, Ashley, thanks so much for joining me and Josh today on Rush Hockey Talk. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, I've been a longtime listener, first-time caller, so this is very exciting. We love that, by the way, that uh, you listen to us two fascinating radio personalities. Ash, we really appreciate it. And we know when, it, when we see you in an arena, in particular, Josh, he loves spending time with you. That's pretty cool. So it's mutual. give us... It's mutual? <laughs> Thanks, Killer. Yeah, anytime. Ashley, give us your history. I want to know, or we want to know, parents, players, Josh and myself, playing playing experience, coaching experience. Tell us a little bit about you. Great. So originally from right outside of Philadelphia, uh, Flyers fan. So I've been let down a few times, but that doesn't easy, easy there. So um, went to school at Union College. Um, after that, thought I wanted to be an attorney. Um, I went to Albany Law, didn't want to be an attorney, but I got my master's. Ended up getting the coaching itch, um, coached to Williams College as an assistant for one year, then became a head coach at Plymouth State uh, for five years and have been at Princeton University for three years now. One of the things that we really hoped that you can help us with today, Ashley, is sort of these intricacies when it comes to Ivy League schools, they seem to be a mystery to a lot of people, in particular Canadian parents, but we also do get questions quite regularly from American parents when it comes to things like SAT, ACT, grade point average, prep schools, high schools, academies, Canadian, American differences, etc. It does get confusing, and hopefully you can help us sort of make it less confusing with the basics. But... Before we do that, we want to ask you as a young hockey coach about your life on the road as a hockey coach. I know you spend a lot of times in arena, in the arena. Josh as well, former hockey coach himself, has spent a lot of time in the arena. Give us your experiences, things you like, dislike, etc. The best thing, I think, is when you get to create your network of of people, of coaches that you see day in and day out when you go recruiting, Josh being one of them, you know, you start to get handshakes down and and know maybe what type of drink they like. If you're in Canada, I'm going to ask if they want a double-double. It's always about, like, pre-scouting the ranks. Is it a cold rank? Is it a warm rank? Do I do a zip-up? Is it a zip-up everyone has? Uh, Maybe I'll wear a hat. I don't know. Um, but it, it's actually, in all seriousness, such a great time. You get to go to different parts of the world, 
see different hockey and I ultimately get to be like with my best friends and and we catch up which is always funny because we're such competitors like I know when I run into Josh it's always like a good probably 10 minutes of laughing before we could get any progress done is that about right that sounds exactly right yeah usually if, if we sit down to watch a game together and it's first period before I even make a note it's halfway through the second because you and I are just chatting it up catching up having a good time but uh, yeah, you hit the nail right on the head. It's all that little stuff that I think uh, you said that is uh, it. It makes it more fun and kind of figuring out. You know, I message you and you know where do we get a coffee? Where are we getting lunch? You know, how cold's the rink? Are you there yet? All that stuff. Uh, it makes it a lot more uh, fun to make your day go by quicker. It's it's so true, and I I realize this too. It's like you kind of get to have your kind of your you have your people and you also start to engage and then you realize you get a little older and you start to make yourself approachable to the younger coaches coming up. So it's like a resource too. Oh, and we're watching hockey. So it's like, what else is there to it? Um, it's a, it's a very fortunate thing and, and we're all like super blessed to be a part of it. Yeah, I agree. And I think too, that at the end of the day, we're sort of all in the in the same business together as we might be, you know, opponents and competing or trying to recruit the same kids. But, uh, you know, I think there is that core group of people that that truly are looking out for the best interests of, of each other. And that makes it a pretty special thing, too. What you think? I, I agree. Like, I, I remember what, like one of my personal favorite moments is, you know, being in Saskatchewan. Um, there was it was super cold, right? And I think we're all, there's a group of us kind of like just stayed warm. We found the warm room and it was almost like we'd, we'd go back to it. And I think, I think the snacks were pretty good. Like, let's be honest, as coaches, we flock there. Um, but right. I just remember at one point we realized, wow, everybody from our league is there. So we took like a league photo jokingly because we decided, Hey, let's have our meetings in, in Saskatchewan instead. It just seems like the place to be. So thank you. Saskatchewan listeners, by the way. <laughs> yeah, that is a that's a key thing too. Having the the better snacks and the coffee and the meals that get catered in definitely uh, definitely Rush. helps us out. Rush is always ahead of the curve on that. I don't know how you guys do it, but um, yeah, it's called being old and twenty five years in the business. I guess I I, I thought you were just twenty five. Well, we look 25. Okay, that's Rack it. 25. That's it. I can't say we are 25, but it's all good. Yeah, tomato, potato. All right, so listen, Ashley, let's get serious. Okay. Ivy League schools. So even someone like me and Josh, we've been around a while, it still confuses us when we're talking about it. So let's start with this question. ACT, SAT. Give us the basics. What's the differences? Does one hold more value than the other? And I know you, I mean, you'll know Princeton specifics, but give us the general generalities that, that you find with ACT and SAT when it comes to Ivy League schools. Um, definitely. And I'm going to speak just in generalities too, because I think, you know, what, what, what I may say is going to probably be in regards to most of us, but one doesn't carry more weight, ACT versus SAT. Um, we find that people tend to do better on one than another just because they might be interested, uh, maybe more math science oriented. Um, 
and more metric system, which generally appeals to like the Midwesterners, Canadians seem to do really well in the ACT. I find that people that like to do, um, you know, writing are more, I don't know why I think this is like an East Coast thing. Not all East Coasters are good writers, um, but that they tend to sometimes do well with the SAT if they're not a math science person. So um, it's more preference, you know, and, and that's not to say in the first time you take the ACT or SAT, it's out of the park. Um, in fact, like we tell kids, you know, take it, get to know where your base is, um, get to understand it, because a lot of the times the test itself is about how good you can take the actual test, not how you can apply what you know. It's just getting comfortable with the test itself. What happens if uh, a player slash student doesn't do well in an SAT what's, or, or ACT? What's your recommendation? And when should they be taking these? What grade? Um, well, first off, the, the best thing to say is don't freak out. Um, I think that's so common when you get anywhere that you're just like, I think my mind went blank totally normal, right? Um, you kind of have to be prepping yourself hard. Uh, like just, just like you would do anything, you would get ready mentally for a game or get ready mentally to take any test. Same thing goes here. Um, if they don't do well, they have options to take it again. There's nothing that like says like you don't get that, the number like staple to your arm. You know what I mean? Um, but I think one of the biggest things that we tell our kids and kids we're looking at is, you know, take it around the the probably end of your sophomore year because there's going to be things that you just don't know. Um, you're going to have to learn them in school. Does that mean that's the same for everyone? No, I've seen kids take it in ninth grade and crush it. And they may have just done it for fun. I don't necessarily find that a fun thing. Like when I have free time on a Saturday, I'm not going to take an SAT but to each their own. Uh, but I think that if you get the chance, you know, if it's something that you want to do, take it around the end of your sophomore year, just so you have a gauge that you can keep going up and up for. Um, and just the other thing, the difference too between the ACT and SAT is some schools will allow you to super score. So you might do really well in like English and you don't feel great about your math. Well, maybe the next time you take it, you focus more on your math and you're, you're really honed in and you can combine those scores. But those are neat questions you need to ask the specific school. Ashley, I was wondering, is there, you know, you're recruiting kids that are Canadian, you're recruiting kids that are American. You know, some of them are in high school, some of them are in prep school. Is, do you guys, is there a base that you guys go off of or is it different when you're looking at uh, their, you know, their, their marks? Uh, besides the SAT or the ACT, just like their GPA, and what talk a little bit about what the difference is there with a Canadian versus an American uh, high schooler. Sure. Well, you, you definitely don't get penalized for being international. Um, there's, you know, there's basically a sliding scale of everything. So I know in, in Canada and internationally in Europe, maybe um, if you get an 85, that might be an A there, right? Um, that doesn't mean when we look at it at 85, which would in the States be a B becomes a B it's an A. Um, so you get the benefit of the doubt there, um, a lot of times, but also the way that we look at just about any school is we look at the school's profile 
you want to know that it's a reputable school that you're not just coming from, you know, John Smith's backyard, uh, you know, schoolhouse rocks and, and come in with a transcript. Like we, we do our due diligence in making sure that these are good accredited schools. Um, back to the original comment though, doesn't, doesn't affect you negatively at all. So, um, no one's admonished for being us or Canadian. It's all going to stand the same. An A is an A, a B is a B, um, and so on and so forth. So we look at it, you know, we have really great, um, in Ivy league admissions, people that will help navigate us, even if it's from somewhere that we're not familiar with, you know, um, the transcript, but it's, it's a really easy process for them, which in turn makes it an easy process for us. I was also wondering too, is there sort of, you know, I think a lot of the listeners here would, would want to know, is there sort of a base where, you know, it's like, would I even have a shot to go to an Ivy league? I mean, obviously you have to be smart, but is there sort of a base where it's like, Hey, I got to have at least a 3.8 and a, you know, 1400 SAT or whatever it is. Is there sort of like a baseline where it's like, you know, I'm not even close or, or is there kind of, is there a little bit of a, I know you said about a sliding scale, maybe if you have a 4.0, then your SAT can go down a bit, but talk a little bit about that. Are you talking about you specifically, Josh? When I was (laughs) getting recruited, I took the SAT special like three times in, in like a month and a half. I had to, uh, yeah, I remember the sliding scale was a big deal where, my grade point average wasn't so great, so I had to really get a high score. And uh, I mean, you know, to pass the clearinghouse and then to you know be able to go to a Division One school that was that wasn't a very fun time uh, going through all that. But I'm yeah, I'm just you know, I was, I was just more making a joke. But I'm I'm sorry we had to. No, it's that. okay. It all uh, worked out. <laughs> but um, no, like for you know for someone wanting to try to go into an Ivy League school right now, is right. there you know what what are sort of the the minimums where it's like, yeah, okay, I think I can get in or, you know what, my, my grade point average is so low, it, it, it's not even close. So I think there's like a generic idea of like that you should be getting, you know, great, good scores. Um, but it's not just your GPA that makes you, um, that just makes you the ideal Ivy League candidate. And I think that's what everybody gets so hung up on. It's like, I have to be smart, 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 smart. Um, I think that they're, the schools would be full every school would be full with the amount of probably perfect scores on a standardized test that kids get. Um, but the reality is when we look at kids, we're looking for the full package. Like um, just like any person will tell you when they're recruiting for ice hockey, you're looking for culture, you're looking for um, how they hold themselves academically and athletically. And it's, you take out that athletic piece. Like, yes, we, we do have like a great support from our admissions, but um, you want the best uh, student who's challenging themselves. We want to see that. And we want to see that they're involved in their community, that they're not just spending their times, you know, um, master on Fortnite or Pokemon, Pokemon go. I don't know what the big thing is right now, but um, that they're essentially like the full package type of kid. And I, I think what gets lost in translation there is that people think they have to be perfect and perfect is such an elusive word. Like, if you're getting a good score and your transcripts are good and you're trending in the right direction, like your transcript should probably be pretty indicative. If you're getting like all C's, probably not an Ivy kid. Um, but if you're making progress and you see yourself challenging yourself and 
and learning and loving everything, it might not be a bad route to take. You'd be surprised, um, you know, nowadays how focused that kids get in um, in their academics because they realize it gets them to their ne- next athletic level that they're trying to leverage everything. And that's what we tell that's what we tell everyone. Like, I think every coach would, would probably agree with me there. Great stuff, Ash. Now let's take a little different uh, avenue here. Tell us a little bit about financial aid. Give us just the basics. How does financial aid work? What do parents need to know? What do they need to fill out? What are the timelines, et cetera? Um, I think that def- definitely varies from school to school. What I would tell anybody is do your absolute homework. Um, whether you're from the States or you're from Canada, there's absolutely great resources. Um, I remember even working at Plymouth State, like if you were from Ontario, that OSAP was a great, great thing to look into. Um, but when you're looking at schools, oftentimes, especially the Ivies, there's going to be places where you can plug in numbers and calculators to see kind of where you would lie. Um, great admissions ambassadors who will take the time and uh, basically talk to you about those numbers too. Um, and they're not set in stone when you do one of those, but oftentimes some schools too will have an American and Canadian conversion. So it'll take the weight of the dollar um, and kind of reflect it on, you know, what if if you were to go to school today, what you would pay. Um, so a lot of places will tell you, hey, our percentage of um, kids coming through leave debt-free, look into that. You know, look into what people cover as far as like, you know, an endowment and how you're taken care of down the road, how many places, I'm sorry, schools will look to place you after you graduate so that your your investment has already made up what you're making. Like that's the biggest thing. Um, but financial aid in general is, is very strong in the Ivy League. Um, and I think that there's more talking to one another as far as like the big wigs and like financial aid go to make it more realistic within each other. Like nobody's going to be so far off one another um, so that it is a very feasible thing for students of any background to be able to go to. But I, I can't say it enough. Do your homework on it so that you don't miss opportunities and deadlines that may go from place to place, whether it's your province, your state or the school itself. How about you as a coach then? How does financial aid affect your recruiting? So for example, are you going to have a a disadvantage uh, versus a scholarship school? What are those advantages or disadvantages? I, I think it really depends. Um, I think oftentimes the value of the education speaks for itself. I don't look at it as a disadvantage. I don't think any of us do because if you believe so much in what you're behind, um, then it, things often, for lack of a better word, sell itself. You know, there's always going to be the idea of scholarship, scholarship, scholarship. But if you look at it in a way, you know, of if you're going into an Ivy League school and you have the chance to play and you do get maybe you leave 90% debt free, that's essentially a scholarship. Um, and that's that's a, essentially how it's kind of phrased. You know, it's like, let's make sure that you leave not owing anything and the best place, place possible. So you could leave place X with a great education and you could leave place Y with great, great education, but 
whether it's scholarship or non-scholarship, the biggest thing is we're both providing the best possible. And I think the Ivy League does that resoundingly well. Um, kids come out of there and their their base, um, like there's great websites that show kind of what they make right back that takes care of whatever they might owe. Oftentimes, and I've seen it uh, super low, that number can be ridiculously low as to what they might have to pay to go there. It really depends. Like for us, it's need-based. Um, but for other places, it could be different. Um, probably most being the same, but you you have to be able to put things in and see how, how it all differs. Yeah, Killer, that's – I agree. I think, yeah, a lot of uh, <clears throat> parents get discouraged if, you know, if their kid's not going to get a – full scholarly, you know, to a division one school, they kind of get discouraged or think it's going to be, you know, they can't afford it and they start looking at other options. But if they were just to, like you said, do their due diligence a little bit more, they can actually find out that they can still go have an amazing college hockey experience and, and not come out uh, too much in debt and, and get a lot of that paid for. It just uh, takes a little bit of work to kind of navigate it. And, and like you said, do the homework. So that's all really, really good stuff. Killer, we're going to wrap up here. Unless you have anything else you'd like to like to talk to me and Kelly about. No, I, I'm just uh, thrilled that I have the avenue. I hope that um, that this answers a lot of questions. And thank you both for what you do for educating the people in our game and for keeping it interesting 24-7. Yeah. We appreciate you again, Killer, for coming on. We look forward to seeing you here soon in June. And with that, we're going to wrap it up. All right. Have a good one, boys. All right. Thanks again, Killer. We'll talk to you. All right. Bye. We want to thank our listeners for tuning in to another episode of Rush Hockey Talk, the place to be to get informed about youth hockey. Rush Hockey Talk, trusted guidance, unrivaled success.